There you go. That's a live look at Bob Jeswald. I think eating a salad kicking off. I don't know why it chose you, Bob, but Google Hangouts has a mind of its own. Oh. So I can, I can go ahead if you want to bomb you. <laughs> there we go yeah good wednesday everybody it's september 21st uh james briarton here uh from charlotte and uh, we thank you for joining us uh we are uh very excited to have our dear friend bob jeswald back on the show we're giving him just a second to uh wolf down some dinner between shows the life of a tv broadcast meteorologist but we had him on a couple months ago and he was teasing a brand new weather center coming to him and his pals at WRBL in Columbus, Georgia. And he's going to show us that brand new weather center and their brand new set tonight coming up in just a few minutes. It debuted a week and a half ago, if I recall correctly. So it's still right. got that new set smell and we're going to show it to you coming up. Uh, but uh, we're also going to check in with our panelists, uh, find out what's going on in their world. And we'll start with Ricky, who uh, I know has a special update for us because he spent last week at the uh, NWA conference and, uh, is going to share a little bit about that. So, Ricky, we will we will start things off with you this Wednesday. Yeah, I've had a, a busy little time period over the past couple of weeks. I uh, amazingly in TV, I was able to take ten days off. Shocking! Wow. Out. Uh, yeah, I was like, okay, I'm just going to take two weeks off, I guess, boss. But one of them was working because I was at the NWA conference. Which, if you don't know what NWA is, it's National Weather Association, which is one of the two larger weather groups in the nation. There's the AMS, and then there's NWA. So. This year, the NWA conference was held in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, first time I've been back there in several years. I want to say it was almost eight or so years ago, maybe a little more since the last time they were in Norfolk. But a great city and, you know, a lot of weather impacts in the city of Norfolk uh, that were tied into this conference. So going back to just a little numbers from this thing, this was the fourth largest NWA conference ever. 547 registered members at about 2,000, I think, plus that we have on the NWA organization. Um, some of the cool stuff, I guess, came out of it. Um, we had our awards banquet on Wednesday. Uh, some people that you may know that were recognized, Ryan Vaughn, one broadcaster of the year uh, from a station there in Arkansas. We also had Nashville Severe recognized for some of their social media efforts, and uh, Greg Carbon won an award as well. So it was really cool to see the passion behind a lot of these award winners. I mean, some of them, especially Nashville Severe, I mean, got pretty emotional. I mean, and... You know, it's great to see the passion that these people have and the emotional connection and all that. Uh, and then for them to be recognized is even better. But So that was kind of Wednesday's little spiel. Going back, the conference actually began on Saturday with Weatherfest. And then Sunday was the broadcaster slash student conference. Uh, and then Monday started the general session. So I was there Monday through Thursday. Uh, and Monday kind of started off with some discussions about coastal weather. You know, being in Norfolk, we obviously get impacted by a lot of coastal weather. So we had some presentations with the National Weather Service in Wakefield, the local WFO, uh, talking about wave run-up forecasts, talking about storm surge projections and storm tide projections and how they vary and how they're using some different models to put them all into making one forecast that goes out over the AP APHS graphics that you can find on their website. Um, there was the, what else? Uh, a really kind of cool study, which you guys may want to go back and check out. Three weather service offices, Moorhead City, Wilmington, and Charleston, decided that they didn't like flood warnings. So they are only going to issue flash flood warnings and flood advisories, and they no longer issue flood warnings. They've come up with a criteria, and they recognize that, like, during tropical events, they know they weren't issuing flash flood warnings in one office, but another office was, and so they felt like the criteria was kind of being mixed up, and people were getting different interpretations of what they meant. So they uh, have developed a criteria to kind of come up with when they're going to issue one. Of course, it's always subject to change, but that was one of the uh, interesting stuff I thought that came up there. Shay, something you may be interested in, there was a study uh, that looked into removing the vort max of Joaquin and seeing where the heaviest rainfall would have fallen if it would have shifted. And then they removed a few other control factors. They removed the land, they strengthened the cyclone, and in the end, they kind of figured out that Joaquin added about five or 10 inches of rainfall as a tropical cyclone. I know that sounds like a ton of rain, but, you know, you had 30 inches of rain down there. So, you know, it probably would have been pretty bad without the tropical cyclone is kind of what the research was going on there. Uh, what else? One thing that we're going to have to look into around here, and I've already brought this to my weather team, is the topic of ASOS ice versus radio ice was discussed. And from what I'm understanding, and I need to go back and review my notes, but this is what I got out of it, was that when models shoot out amounts of ice, 
an ice accumulation, they forecast ASOS ice. And so they are forecasting, for example, let's use a half an inch of ASOS ice. That is known as flat ice, all right? But, you know, when it accumulates on a power line, accumulates on a branch, it's going to be what we call radial ice. And so some of the studies in comparing the two found that radial ice was almost cut in half. And so they are working on developing a model uh, they're calling Fram freezing rice, freezing, ra freezing rice, <laughs> funny. Uh, freezing rain accumulation model uh, to try and better predict that and use a different algorithm. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool and something that applies to us here in the Carolinas, Tennessee, and of course, Virginia, where David is. Uh, Chesapeake Bay Lake Effect Snow was mentioned. Um, and then Wednesday and Thursday had, had a lot more presentations as well. If you want to go back and review some of them, if you're an NWA member, they're all posted online. But if you're not, the NWA put together some uh, Storify messages. And I think literally every single tweet got sent into those Storify messages. And they're really cool reads, really great information to go back and check out and uh, see what happened in Twitter form, 140 characters. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention was they did a teacher workshop. And I thought it was really neat how it was done. It was a great turnout of teachers. I stuck my head in there for a little bit. Uh, Henry Rothenberg and, and Brad Panovich presented one day. And so I kind of stuck my head in there with them and watched a little bit of the presentation, saw the teachers were reacting. Nick Walker was there. He got the teachers you know, involved with his songs and everything. They all got copies to take home. They got a lot of stuff to take home to their students and, and back to their classrooms. But it was really a great thing for the teachers to be able to come out, interact with the meteorologists, ask questions, have us kind of, you know, give our point of view on why stuff's important, why warnings are important, why it's important to tell your students the difference between a watch and a warning and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's something I, I really hope that can be done at future NWA offices or future NWA conferences, and it has been done before. I'm spilling all of my words. I've been up since 8 a.m., well, since about 7 a.m., and I only got five hours of sleep with the whole protest in Charlotte thing. Um, I know. What time were you and I messaging last night? Like I know. It's like and, was... and James is like, I'm going to go to sleep whenever the chopper lands to go refuel or something. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the gist of what happened in NWA. Uh, you know, like I say, every year when I go to these conferences, it's honestly a big weather family is what the feel is at NWA. You know? Hey, Ricky. What's up? I, I do have a question for you, and this is one uh -oh. thing that was being discussed. Uh, the way that we do warnings, I've seen a few slides come out. Uh, that may be something that could be changing in yep. the next few years. And, and that's been around for a while. I remember some of that being presented to AMS. I think it was last year, and some of that's been talked about but not really brought to the forefront. But there's the new, uh, I guess, project is what I can call it, or initiative in the Weather Service to potentially redesign how we do warnings. So right now we have 122 different colors. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that's the number. It's around 120. 120 of which are used for flooding. <laughs> yeah, it seems like that. I'll uh, find the periodic table while you're talking. Yeah, that was a good one. But we have a lot of colors, all right, of warnings and advisories. So the thought is to simplify it into four colors, where warnings would be red, watches would be yellow, and I forget the other two colors and what they would be. But sim basically the map would be simplified and then you'd be able to click on it and kind of break down what your threats are. But the terminology that we use could change. So let's say instead of the weather service issuing a tornado warning, the weather service would issue a take action for a tornado. And I know it sounds very weird to hear the first time saying, you know, the National Weather Service has issued a take action. And I think there's some verbiage words there that need to be played with, some social science needs to be brought into it. But it's also, I think, from a meteorologist standpoint and from someone who's been using these for a while and grew up with, you know, watches and warnings, we as meteorologists probably associate the terminology and think, why the heck would we want to change that? You know, we understand what it means and everything. But we kind of need to figure out if, people understand it. So there's actually a HASSIMP survey that's currently on the website of the Weather Service and you can go and take it. You can um, you can and go in there and see which one you prefer better. I don't know how many questions it is, but it's uh, a very good survey. And for David and James and, every, and Shay and everyone here who has a, a public eye and a broadcast voice, I would challenge you guys to go take some pictures of this kind of stuff and Label the maps, you know, new map or old map, and post it on your Facebook pages and see which one people like. Because it's been interesting to watch. The Weather Service in Milwaukee did it, and almost everyone liked the old map. 
And I did it here at my station, and almost everyone liked the new map. So I don't know, you know, which one people are going to like better, whether we're going to have a whole other educational thing, but it's uh, interesting stuff coming out. And, and that's still many years down the road. There's also some really cool stuff being worked on for, um, what is it? It is the, uh, I forget the name of it. Facet, that's the word for it. Uh, it's the new Facet program and the new tornado warnings that will eventually be coming out, issuing almost probability-based tornado warnings. So, and as it moves along, as the storm advances, the probabilities <clears throat> can change, get higher or lower, depending on the forecaster's thoughts on the storm. Um, and as you cl you're closer to the tornado, obviously your risk would be greater. And as you go apart, it would be less. But there's still a lot of things to be worked on with that. First off, how do you get in the weather service software? And then from the you know, broadcaster standpoint, how do we display it? Um, and stuff like that. There's also some stuff coming down uh, from a broadcaster standpoint that was brought up. Barron has teamed up with Weatherbell, and they were demonstrating some of their products there. Barron, Gra Barron Graphics will now have Weatherbell data shown on their weather system, their link system. And from what I was told, that's also coming to WSI very soon. Uh, in Not sure if in 6.3 or very soon after 6.3. I'm actually in talks with our sales rep to figure out what exactly is going on. Um, in 6.3 for Max, there will be local data ingest, which means that you'll be able to get higher resolution GFS and Euro data, 13 kilometers and nine kilometers respectively. And we will eventually get the new GOES data in there too, and we'll allow that to come into Max. Now there's some stuff that's gonna be worked on to where it's gonna be sent by the cloud and not some of our satellites and stuff that we currently have hooked up to WSI and then it'll be stored locally. And uh, there's some other buttons that will be needed on a monthly basis. So uh, if you want some of this stuff, start talking to your management team now and get some pricing, especially as we're going into the fundings for next year. But uh, I think that was about most of what was presented, unless you guys have anything else that you caught your eye you'd like me to talk about. No, I thought the, the flooding you mentioned was very interesting because I think we've talked about it before on this show, trying to simplify and consolidate yeah. the way warnings are distributed, the language in them, but also specifically, like you mentioned, the flooding. And it would be nice to see it done universally, but on one hand, I guess it's nice that somebody's stepping up and taking the initiative, although having just one or two offices do it sounds like a potential for mismatch. Yeah, but, it was three offices in, in uh, what did I have? I had Moorhead City, Wilmington, and Charleston, all three teamed up. Uh, and so it was kind of that area that was impacted almost directly by the tropical cyclone Joaquin or whatever we wanted to call it, uh, the system Joaquin and it's upper level low, but it was an interesting presentation. And then they also had some stuff they were doing differently for river flood warnings and how they're kind of just simplifying. I mean, obviously you're not going to issue a flash flood warning for a river flood that's going up slowly or a coastal flood or something. So those are kind of different. Um, but issuing those kind of products seem to be simplified in this scenario so when, uh, uh, oh, go ahead Bob oh I just my question is it, now is this part of the hazard simplification no is, uh, it's not is that different the has simp is totally different that is a national directive okay. on the weather service this was three offices just teaming up and saying hey we don't like issuing 20,000 flood products let's try to simplify it a little bit uh, has simp uh, as is the four color thing and I and it's kind of consolidating all of our products into four different color tiers that would then be able to be issued. Okay. Now down, down here, and I, I know there's, I don't know if there's different criteria, usually with advisors, usually like frost freeze or wind advisories are different from, um, David sure. remember down here when you have, um, you know, when just even in the wind categories too, which it's not often, but I would say going back to the flood, so if there's a flood, when we see flood warnings here, it's all river based. It's definitely talking about something maybe not as it's sort of imminent, but it's not deadly or dangerous or life threatening opposed to flash flooding, which I always, you know, we always think mentally flash flooding. Whoa, you know, to me, that's more life threatening. Are they, is there still going to be distinction between river versus what's going on right now? And now data like such as, um, you know, bad thunderstorm rolls in and, you know, we got, you know, we got flash flooding going on in the next hour, you know, or versus a, a, something like Joaquin setting rivers and streams and tributaries up to flood levels. Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly what they said. That question was posed, and I'm sure it's in okay. this 
in this Storify thing. Let me see if I can't find it for the end of the show. But that question was posed, and okay. I forget which they said they issued. Um, but let me find it, and, I, and I'll, I'll bring it up again. Yeah, I'd have to say when they, when they had to open the dams, uh, or when, even when a couple of the dams broke, I mean, there's going to be obvious flooding downriver all the way to the coastline. So, I mean, there, there's going to be times when there's going to be actual flooding from the rivers, at least from the foothills down through the coastal pe- – I'm sorry, the coastal um, plains. So I always wonder, it's probably going to be an extreme event like that where they would actually issue a flood warning but um, or storm surge. I, I don't know. That's kind of – I'd like to see how they come out with that because, I mean, we do have enough nuisance flooding to just keep it simple. Yeah, Henry Rothenberger had a pretty cool presentation on that too that uh, he presented talking about how Joaquin perhaps wasn't so much of a weather disaster as it was a infrastructure disaster. Uh, talking about how some of the floodgates weren't opened as they should have been, and some of the dams failed because the people didn't want to open their floodgates and stuff. Um, he presented that during the, the teacher conference. Um, well, so. right, right, Ricky, while you tried to uh, look back over your notes in the social media for, for some of those answers, let's real briefly check in with the rest of the uh, the panel here and, and see what's happened in their neck of the woods. And we heard from, from our friend Shay Gibson in, in, in Charleston, South Carolina, just a moment ago, and Shay, before the show, you were saying it's very comfortable outside these past few days. Yeah, very comfortable. We're actually under cloud cover. Uh, a few spotty showers here and there, no thunderstorms, no extreme heat. Uh, we've been in the low 80s the last couple of days, so it's been pretty nice here. We're, we're still dealing with, believe it or not, uh, I'll, I'll do a quick screen share. I don't want to keep, keep everything tied up in the southeast region, but let me know when you can see it. I'm seeing my face at the moment. Hello. But uh, I think you're... Uh... Your monitor right now is sharing the uh, the Google Hangouts. Is that Oops. the screen you're trying to show us? Negative. Let me try one more time. Okay. Take two, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. All right. There it is. We try got that. you now, Shay. Go ahead. Okay. So you know, the first few frames, of course, capture the uh, the cloud cover, and then it gives them nighttime, and the visible goes down uh, before the infrared sets in. But you can see this this swath of uh, low, it's basically a broad area of low pressure. Uh, that's remnants of Julia, believe it or not. So, I mean, we, we've been dealing with this for the last, you know, week and a half. And so, you know, we, we've had a few wraparound thunderstorms. Now what we have is an upper low developing here that's going to drop down. Eventually it's going to form by Friday and pretty much fizzle this entire surface low out. So it looks like everything's going to start to clear out in time. Probably by Saturday, Sunday, we'll see a, a back toward cold front drop down through the region. And then what we're going to have is a northeast wedge building down the coastline. So that's going to be probably one of our first Canadian high northeast wedges for the southeast region in the fall. And you're probably going to feel those fall temperatures for once, like the true fall temperatures. So that's kind of what we're looking at right now uh, for this, this neck of the woods. I mean, I would expect probably some more cloud cover in very similar conditions for today into tomorrow and possibly even into Friday. So we're, um, but we're enjoying the cooler weather because we finally have broken our streak uh, from this past summer of, of just extreme heat, brutal heat. Uh, we hit, just the other day, we did have some clearing. When the storm went to the north, the winds came up from the south again and our sea breezes kicked back in, but um, not before getting us over the 90 degree temperature range. So we, we have hit, we have tied our record this year for the most days of 90 degrees or higher at 97 days, and the last time that was done was in 1990. So we're one day away from breaking our all-time record for the most days of 90-plus. And we're seeing some of those showers, just a few of them, and some of those clouds from that same system that's more directly impacting you across the Charlotte area today where I was waiting to see if we were going to get any uh, showers for the uh, the activities, the protests, the gatherings, and uh, the vigils and such in the, in the Charlotte area today, which, by the way, are on a monitor to my right. So if I keep glancing off to the right, that's why I'm just kind of checking in on things in the uptown area, but uh, same here in the Charlotte and in the Pineville area where I am. Things have been relatively cool, kind of fall-like and, and a little windy. Uh, Scotty, has it been the same up, uh, up in your neck of the woods, up in the mountains? Yeah, well, today it started actually sunny, and we was sunny till probably around lunchtime, and then we finally seen the, uh, the bank of clouds move in from the remnants of Joya. Uh, temperatures before noontime got into the low, uh, a few mid-80s, and then the clouds came over and temperatures kind of cooled off into the upper 70s. We've seen a few sprinkles here and there, but uh, but nothing really. We are expecting a cloudy day tomorrow, and then it uh, looks like, as Shay was talking about, that backdoor cold front moves in over uh, the late part of the weekend. So 
fall weather uh, for us uh, for the first part of next week, but looking at some of the long-range data, it looks like we may see another spike in temperatures before we see more cooler weather coming in. So uh, I do know uh, this weekend we uh, could be touching 90 degrees, and I think that would make day number 78 or 79 in Charlotte. Uh, closing in on the record of 88 days. So, Shay, you may get to break your record. I'm kind of pulling for you. I'd like to see. You know, this has been a hot summer, so we might as well break the record, right? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to be just south of where that may occur. I think that, that heat is going to kind of go around. It says that upper low is going to be slow to exit to the west. And, you, you know, we, we talked about that Omega Block setup, and it looks like um, on, the, on the extreme southern – end of the ridge that goes in between the two upper lows it's going to be kind of kind of um, misshapen or or sort of odd shaped omega block but i think down where we are we're going to have this kind of a slow fading upper low that'll maybe prevent us from getting quite to 90 i think i saw 88 but yeah you know 88 means 90 around here so <laughs> typically David, how's that? I will say sorry. this. I'm sorry, James. One other thing. Um, I had some friends that went up to Grandfather Mountain yesterday, and it was a cool 53 degrees up there. So, Wow. If you want to go find some cool weather, go go ahead for uh, Grandfather Mountain. It's elevation of over 6,000 feet. Uh, you can get into the 50s. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds nice because when you are saying 90s this week, and I was thinking <clears throat> that's going to sound really warm for apple picking. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be warm, but fall is on its way. Uh, if you're watching us live, by the way, you can tweet us at uh, Carolina Weather Group. Let us know what the weather's like uh, in your neck of the woods. We'd love to uh, pop it up here on the screen as we head up to uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, and David Reese. Yeah, it's it's been hot, as I told Shay just before the show. We've hit 90 degrees or warmer 51 times since July 4th. Total for the year is 54 days, so pretty much the bulk of our heat has come from July 5th onward, we hit 89 degrees over the weekend, and that was with cloud cover, so that was pretty impressive. We've been in the mid-80s the past couple of days with cloud cover, so I'm expecting more sunshine. Yeah, everybody's talking about fall-like temperatures that arrives here sometime on Saturday night, Sunday morning. Of course, you guys are like fall temperatures. I'm like, all right, it's getting close to average. So we've been so far above average. I mean, if, if things ended today, we would, we would have smashed the uh, old record warmest September on record by about four degrees at Cho, which only has records to 99. But at McCormick, where records go to 1890s, we'd currently be in third place. So that's, to me, a lot more impressive. So it just shows the heat we've been dealing with here in Virginia and also most of the eastern seaboard. And we look to finally get a break as we roll into early next week. In just a moment, we're coming up uh, about halfway into our program here. We will uh, join our friend Bob Jeswald in Columbus, Georgia, uh, as promised, for a look at his new set. But before we do that, back to Ricky, who I think has found the answers to our questions, as we were discussing earlier from the NWA conference. I found some answers. Didn't find all of them. But I did want to bring this up to your attention because I'm going to share the screen real quick. Uh, la, 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 la. Those are the magic words, by the way, to share your screen. screen, I guess. Okay. So hopefully you guys can see this and some stuff uh, that's being presented. So this was kind of the whole reason behind why they wanted to do this. <laughs> how would you categorize this type of flooding? And how would the public categorize it? How would emergency managers you know, put this into a category. So this is why they kind of decided they needed to simplify the message. Um, most forecasters were reluctant to issue a flash flood warning because it involves a lot more stuff. You know, your alerts go off, you have the EAS go off, and then emergency managers said, hey, we need that. We want you to issue flash flood warnings because then our cell phones go off. The EAS, WEA alert systems were triggered in this case. So here's kind of the scenario they came up with. I know this is incredibly difficult to read and they picked a horrible image for this. So I'm going to try to read some of it. Um, they would issue flash flood watches only when flash flood warning thresholds could be met. Other less impactful flood events would be handled in the hazardous weather outlook. Thus a flood watch would no longer be issued. So unless they're going to meet that three inch and two hour criteria, they're not going to issue a flash flood watch. Flash flood uh, watch or flood watches, excuse me, are no longer a thing. And so after the rain stops, they would not issue a flood warning. They would issue a flood advisory. 
in this case. Now, if it was going to be a long-term stuff, they would issue an aerial flood warning uh, for some events. And they still reserve the right to use flash flood emergencies in a very severe setup. So I'm also referencing Nate Johnson trying to figure out if he has memory, because he tweets everything. <laughs> Let me get the off screen share here. What they wanted to do for the river flood warnings and coastal flood warnings, I'm pretty sure they were still going to issue flood warnings for river flood warnings, but I will double check on that, Bob, and we'll try to get a Okay, great. So. Appreciate it. All right, Bob Jeswald, without, oh, without further ado, Bob, did yeah. you have a question for Ricky? I'm sorry. Yeah, Ricky, one last question on the, on the ice. <clears throat> David Reese and I, our last big ice storm, ironically, was when David was here. In, uh, that was 2011, David? Was it early 2011? We had 2011, but we had the one in uh, 2014. That's right. That would have been the last one. That's just true. With that, with that new algorithm, what, what do you think we can expect as far as users like we're WSI, Max? Could that work well with the – do you think that would enhance the RPM? Some microcast model data, but like four-kilometer data, for example. Could the res like that be even better in, in, the, in these short-term forecasts, do you think, with that? I think it would be. I, th I think this algorithm that they want to use showed sure. some uh, accuracy and better accuracy than how we do it now. I would assume – the RPM, and I would have to check with someone who has more model experience than I do, takes it in as ASOS ice and does, doesn't shoot it out any other way. And I would assume almost all of our models do it that way. Um, yeah. and, and so FRAM and the new algorithm they're trying to put together showed more accuracy in actually determining the amount of radio ice that fell. And of course, it, in my mind, radio ice is what we care about. It's what's yeah, going to accumulate right. on the power lines, what's going to accumulate on trees, what's going to bring down stuff versus, you know, what may fall onto a garbage can in your backyard. Um, so it, it seems like it showed some skill. Whether it will ever be integrated, I think, would have to be something that's integrated on the full model suite of products. Okay. Somebody say something? Or... No, no, I was just going to say that, sound, that oh. sounds very cool. And, you know, it, a lot of exciting things coming out yeah, of that because we're talking about trying to make the models more relevant to people, the wording more relevant to people in a way to better our science, but also help communicate and meet people in the middle and, and as opposed to what they understand and our need for classifying and categorizing. And, and something that we also need to look at talking about um, ASOS ice versus flat ice, the weather service, when they put out their predictions, they use the flat ice predict, prediction on the ASOS wire. Whoa. Um, mm. So if you see a map in the weather service, it is likely that flat ice and not that radio ice. Sorry, I, I was disrupted because I'm watching video of people running in uptown Charlotte. I'm not sure why. Yeah, they're, they're right near the yeah. epicenter in the Omni Hotel and uh, watching it here in Charlotte on a 3.2, the WBTP run balance affiliate. But uh, Bob Jeswald has been uh, holding out and joining our okay. conversation, but I know he's got a very shiny weather center to show off. But one last thing before okay. we do that, Bob, your sure. old friend, Mr. Mo, wanted to say hello. Our, oh. uh, there he is. He's been jumping into my lap for the last half an hour. I think this is my dog friend. Where is he? There he is again. <laughs> this is our. Is this our okay. mascot panelist? This is uh, this is Mo. Everybody. Oh, we're not seeing him. Uh, we're not seeing him. Oh, you did the rest of you see him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Something. All right. Yeah. We'll get you a picture, Bob. If it didn't show him. up on your end. Oh, it didn't show up, but it's cool. You, Bob, uh, Mo used to forecast alongside Bob on, on special occasions. Don't tell station management that, but I think it's safe to say <laughs> now. That's cool. Are you guys ready for the big debut? We are ready for the big debut, Bob. So we're going to sit back and we're going to watch and we're going to enjoy this because I know a lot of hard work went into this. Oh, it did. And let me preface this. I just really wish David Reese, this, this really a lot of this goes to David Reese because he certainly would have deserved this time having this. It was... Um, Long overdue, and David worked in the trenches when it still was from when I came here in 2006. They finally demolished it. What I'm about to show you right now is how we converted an old analog uh, production uh, area into uh, a weather office, functional weather office, which I'm going to show you. Uh, uh, make sure this, you're on speaker, everybody, so I can see it. Yeah, this. Look at David Watson. David Reese. Look at him watch. Okay, here it is. Let me reverse that. And there we go. Okay. This, um, when we come down our hallway here from the main corridor to the left is the new part of this. 
the new News 3. This is a production control, all digital, of course, right? And across the way used to be the analog side, which is now the first alert, you can see on a door, and every uh, area is like this on both doors, but it's now the new weather center. Functional to do severe weather by ourselves in here. We have a camera in the corner behind me, and uh, that goes into our master master control area on that door. And uh, they built some custom-made shelves and places to hang our shoes, blah, blah, blah. And there's a camera there. So if we have to do our own shots in here for severe weather. <laughs> okay, now, David, hold your breath here. I know you guys, a lot of you guys seen this already because you were seeing it on the Facebook. Let me turn the lights on. And um, now some yeah. of the lights were on the set. I'm trying to get the glow. I don't know how to put them on, so I apologize. But when you come in this way, this is the back side of the First Alert Weather Center. These three monitors are all equipped with a KBM. So basically, what you just saw in the weather office, somebody could be producing in there, you actually are, you could see them working in here too. So they are duplicating what's in there. So you're only, you're still running your one max, your, one, your two cores, your two maxes, your prism, your live wire, et cetera. But it will do the same thing in here. So you're basically getting two for one. There's the, the you know, the back of the weather center here, the front of it, back up a little bit. And this all lights up. These sets are all lit up right above. They could change colors. This is all LED lighting. So there'll be no bulb changing in these. There's, there's LED lighting all around the base of this. This is the big BAM, we call it wall multiple uh, screens in there. These screens are probably about 26 inch screens maybe, and they all make up this nice one big oh, and great resolution on that. Here's the main set, which only holds two people. And these sides are where we you would stand meeting up with the anchors and then turning and looking. You can see the key wall, which is on the opposite side now, David Reese, where it should have been all along, where the old interview set used to be. And, and of course, James, you guys remember that. And it's much bigger, more user-friendly. Monitors all around the whole studio now, so you could see yourselves on air. Um, even on the wall, those monitors also showing the uh, what we call the uh, script or what we're looking at, our teleprompter for the anchors. Monitors up against the wall there, GoPro camera in the corner to show full studio shot. Another plasma screen for another set for the uh, reporters. And again, I can't find the lighting to do this. I don't know what switch it is, but this whole light, this whole thing lights up. And the border has really nice LED lighting. And it could be changed, like say if there was a painted town pink or breast Oh, care, you know, breast awareness month, uh, you know, fighting breast cancer, you can make the whole studio pink for the day or blue or red is like multiple colors. And um, FX made it, which they construct about 90% of sets around the United States. And they, they did one hell of a job, but the studio had added more space. albeit this is a very small studio. Just ask James and David, but it's um, just, very, very nice. It's uh, we're real pleased because it's been when I came here, they built the other one was new, but after ten years, as you guys know, technologically that was a dinosaur and it it wasn't functional anymore. So there Bob, you go. Bob, what I'm going to play on the screen now while you continue to talk is actually a weather webcast you recently posted online, just so we can show people a little bit what the studio looks like uh, it, it, as it's functioning. And I'm not sure if you can see it on your monitor now, yeah. but what we're looking at here I is you standing it. in front of the uh, the Brady Bunch monitors, as I'm going to call them. <laughs> yeah, I see it. So, so what flexibility does that give you? Uh, I know you have the chroma key, but you also have the monitor. So that's a little yeah, bit of a different, let me show uh, you. different act. I'll give you an example. So like, say this is my angle. This is a camera looking at me at home. Say I did a first weather like this and I'm pointing at the weather. So, hey guys, how's everything going? Here's a look what's going on today. And then I'll still walk and the camera is uh, following me. And then I walk over here to the big screen and I have a place here. And then I go like this and then I could talk about first weather. This is all one camera shot, like a Martin Scorsese shot, huh? And then going up to my anchors here, and wrapping it up. I could also start at that wall. I could go from the first floor weather center and then to the chroma key. So there's there's literally 
there's about five or six possibilities we could do. We mix it up. Never the same, which David Reese could say it's hard to believe because people don't like to change here, but they were forced to do it because they said we spent this money in a set. We're going to do it right. So <clears throat> that's a good thing. <laughs> look at David knows. <laughs> and what, what's I the know. feedback been? Oh, look ahead, at the look David, on your face. You in? I'm on a little bit of a delay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I said I didn't say anything, but uh, you have a team of really four meteorologists that are capable of doing coverage down there. So is it theoretically possible to get all four of you guys on now? severe weather coverage because i know you guys get some big storms down there and snowstorms and everything else so theoretically is it possible to get all four of you guys and gal on air at almost one time yeah and and good question the, the weather the weather office that i showed you is functional we could theoretically have somebody there we can have somebody at the key wall at the bam wall and one right in here in this set we can all be independent with four from four different places we can have three people at one place if it was really intense, like super intense that we had to be right next to each other. We could separate it, went on the wall. So honestly, you, you could keep mixing it up. You're right. It's, it's, it's the, the best designers thought that they ever came up with. In fact, they put a lot of emphasis in weather with this because research is showing weather is the number one reason why people watch local news. When weather's hitting a fan, the research is showing too, you have to be equipped. You got to be ready to rock and roll and, and, uh, and really showcase that you have good ways of delivering and showing the content. So it looks good, but at the same time, it's, it's presentable in a nice way and professionally that you're being seen in an area, which before you see the back of our heads or we were disembodied as David may recall, because our weather center was facing like you were facing towards a wall or now you're facing towards the audience. And I'm going to let everybody in on a little bit of a broadcast secret. When Bob says BAM, when he's standing yes. in front of those monitors, BAM stands for Big Ass Monitor. Yeah. It's a, letting it's, everyone in on a little TV secret. Yep, that's it. That's exactly it. And it's funny because even the professionals use that term, so it's kind of funny. Uh, any questions from our other panelists uh, when it comes to the, the new toys that Bob's got? So, Bob, with... Uh... With, with you having all that access in the the your office there, uh, let's say you know it's a Sunday at two o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe not a lot of people there. Do you guys have access to go into the main control room and boot everything up once a warning's issued? Now, yeah, we to, to you're in in general here. I'll need to show you that setup. That's kind of interesting. Good good question. Um, let me just move it in here. And I probably got, I got about 20% battery life, so this may go down real quick. But hang on, I'm going to try to show you guys this. Um, okay. This is going into our master control. This is right here. Now, don't actually do everything. it right now, Bob. Do not pump, punch yourself up on the air. Yeah, the light is on. Let me see if I can turn the light on here. There you go. So it's pretty loud in here because all the fans. Right here in this rack. Right outside, they're all stacked. There's your core. Your cores are back there with the UPS, which is a backup server. Power goes out. In this rack here, we also have it right on the Dell main switcher. We have every one of them on here with one control panel, so I can control each one of these and boot, boot them up just like that. I can also, from what I showed you in the um, new studio, we can actually go in there and you can actually boot it up in there. You can take everything down that way as well, as well as you can in here. But if you had to do a full boot or if you had a power outage, you'd have to go in there to uh, hit the towers directly. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to do anything. In here, the live wire can also be seen on a KBM switch, which I don't know the acronym for that. But it's, it's mirroring all this that you've seen here. So uh, everything that I showed you in here behind me, against the, the weather office, you can see these monitors. Each one of these right here are the full functioning, but only three monitors in there, which actually duplicate six, but you're only seeing three, but you'd have to switch the KBM switch in each one to get outlook for NWS chat, or one would have to be you're on the air for 
let's say the uh, for your prism or for web stuff, and then the last but not least, your live wire, which is doing your severe weather crawl with Weather Central. Bob, I don't want to miss the opportunity to emphasize this again because that's really exciting looking and I love it and I, I wish we could get our hands on it and, and kind of take it for a test drive. But from a broadcast standpoint, on a very fundamental level, what advantages do those tools give you when it comes to communicating severe weather forecasts, the gist to the viewers? I think what it does is it, because when things are easily accessed, you have more control over them and they're, they're set up in a way that is, um, you know, how do I say the, the old way was so antiquated because you couldn't really be seen and quick on air. You, you have the luxury of picking different areas, which I think viewers could see urgency if we're in here and it's by ourselves and there's tornadoes and we've seen the setup where we can lay out formats at different locations. It's not stepping on one another. Um, we, we have enough microphones. It's, it's much more better. And you can task each Met with a particular, uh, you know, item. Let's say somebody's going to be talking about damage while the other one at that wall clearly is going to be giving us updates and tracking the tornadoes. And a big wall could be forecast. And another one is our web guy who could be doing strictly uh, what's going on on the web right now and what's trending and how you can follow along if power goes out, blah, blah, blah. So the, the setup is so user-friendly for many more Mets now. So, and even not, even if you're by yourself, that setup is good. You have everything in front of you. One person can do all. So I have access to help regulate the live on air which is your crawl system for severe weather. I got web web right there if I need it. And I got everything else duplicated that's what's inside this office that could be in a studio. And again, vice versa, if there's anchors in the studio, something else is going on with this, and I'm in here doing weather while there's election going on, we can move everything over here and still keep it very personal and separate from that which shows, you know, the audience, the urgency of like, you know, whether we're focused on whether we're in the weather office or vice versa. I mean, it's, it's just, you don't, you're not burdened by that anymore. There's things going on in there. I could pull it in here and, and we can look like we're in a whole separate area and the weather team is doing weather things. So it's, it's um, more for us when we make it, when it's convenient for the meteorologist, it's going to show that way out to the audience. And that's what we've been lacking for a long time, very long time. When, you know, Briarton was here and Reese were here, uh, it was always very difficult to get that camera shot or you, you can't really get David engaged because he's off camera with his voice because I, the one camera's not, well, the camera can't be turned because it's on a key wall and I got to be on a key wall. And then I'm walking to the other side and we're, we're flipping, uh, the camera, you know, the, the computer back and forth. Well, we can set those now with another switcher that gives us the opportunity that a person could be talking about one thing while I'm on another. We have Skype, so we can use live camera networks. So it's a little bit easier. It's more fluid, let's say. So you can streamline that process during severe weather or just, you know, something that's coming our way. Like it's uh, a weather aware day, which that's a new campaign that we've launched. So it could be something simple as that. But my goal is to, <clears throat> David doesn't know this, but at some point, David Reese will be coming back here someday to work here in a full-time capacity. <laughs> <laughs> Got a big smile out of him. That's good. I'm just testing to see. Yeah. Yeah, um, he'll be back. People, people still love him. He still, he still keeps his uh, social media presence active during severe weather it's events. It's smart to do that because they still think he's around, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bob, <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, hopefully this isn't a, a bias or a selfish question, but uh, your new weather center, does it give you any new added abilities when it comes to digital? Yeah. I, you know, I guess I haven't really tapped it as much. Um, I suppose we haven't really tried it yet, but when we can – we could go ahead and we can go Facebook live during severe weather. Let's say mm -hmm. that's, that's an opportunity. And I think the lighting and the clarity of everything looks good, but digitally speaking, I, how do I see that? I guess, I guess I would almost say it's the same in my world, but I think it's more cosmetically looks better. And that may give a different look, make, make people look, give them another chance to take a second look. Let's say, 
because wow, I didn't see that before. It's fresh. It's new. Um, and two people can be working without stepping on one another. Maybe that's a good thing. We could be in separate places. I guess we could get more creative. I haven't explored that yet. But I think, I, I, you know, I would say it's, I don't know if what would really be different, except that we can make our look look different, maybe. Is that, I don't mean to sound. No, and hey, it doesn't have to be different. If you were yeah. doing it all before and doing it right before, no need to reinvent yeah. the wheel. Yeah, I think it's pretty much the same in my mind. But I think for us behind the scenes, it's going to make it easier for us. So therefore, I think it would come across. I mean, I, you know, the viewers might make it look easier because we can be faster, streamline, look different, cleaner. All those things give us our, our polished branding. If anything, it's going to enhance our branding, which I think ultimately will look good. The, the user won't know why, but they'll probably scratch their head and say, hey, this looks pretty decent. I like their new look or something. You know, hopefully that'll engage people more. The, the quality and the quantity and the presentation all coming together. I know your battery is running low and maybe it just literally dropped out on us. I was about Sorry, to, was, to ask my, a question. My wife was, wife was calling me. I, I think we still have him, uh, Shay, if you want to try to ask him a question there. Ahead, oh, no, no, I was going to go completely off topic um, as long as we were not going to be talking about the, the studio. If you, if you were finished, if you had anything else to add to it. But uh, I know the last time that we had you on the show, we did talk a little bit about El Nino, and you had were, you were done a report, which, and I did one as well. I think we were all kind of working on the end of El Nino, and, and now we're in this neutral phase, and they're now saying that the Lin Nino watch has been canceled and that we're looking at a neutral phase all the way through wintertime. So what are your thoughts? Have you been keeping up with that at all? And, or what yeah. do you think? Well, I think the – the key is right now, I don't know if anybody looked at the GFS or the Euro, tropically speaking, if that ridge, that mid-Atlantic oscillation is involved and then getting that, that, that good, strong, high pressure to the north of us, how strong in a southern uh, circulation on that will steer and direct some of these cyclones. Like Hermine was able to skirt up here a little bit, but um, I, I'm curious to see what day 10 and 12 are going to look like when we get to about the 5th, 6th, 5th or 6th of October. Um, I think it's going to remain, it's going to continue this dry period. It's, there's no question how it's impacted just the vegetation here. And I don't know how bad, it, even though the drought is moderate north, it's been abnormally dry here <clears throat> for now. But that's going to change clearly because we're stuck in this pattern. Um, I've been here for a decade now. And I remember 07 being relatively dry going into that. It was a neutralized period, but it was nothing, nothing like this. This is so bonafide. But then again, it mimics exactly what hap happened to El Nino. Yeah, there's Kurt and the, the, the thing. But it's uh, – I interviewed him, by the way, in that. But it, it mimics the uh, – how this, this El Nino was so persistent. And the cold fronts need to be watched because I still think – you know, with these fronts coming in, that's going to play a significant role in ending the tropical Atlantic season. Like, how is this going to impact, you know, you know, coastal, you know, tropical cyclones into the, uh, the Gulf of Mexico? So I think it's going to impact that. I think they're right on. I think Noah did a good job, you know, with the latest report on how they're ramping up the uh, tropical Atlantic season. That, that certainly have an impact. But uh, La Nina is going to be interesting to see once we get out of this neutralized phase, which has been they gone pretty strong and, and persistent how dry it'll be. And I downfall downturn to this would be as much as it was a benefit El Nino for planting season and it was so wet, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be bad for, for agriculturalists if, if this persists going into the, uh, to the late fall into early winter, which it looks like it may be. Right. Yeah. I guess we'll see in October because, September, we're still getting the intertropical convergence zone flow mm -hmm. from east to west, and then things start to shift. They start to shift to the west in October for the points of origin. Uh, predominantly, they start coming from the Caribbean and the Gulf, so we still have the Gulf season to sort of look at as well. I mean, yeah. it's, it's been very inactive, and, and you know, the MJO signals are kind of weak. There isn't really a whole lot. There's been a lot of upper shear over the Gulf and over the, the Caribbean areas, so... Uh, but, you know, we always have October that people forget about. And the Gulf stays warm through October. 
and we have a secondary spike about midway, a little over midway towards the 20th of October or so, um, where activities increased. So, you know, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, largely the the 3.4 region and the the Nino 3.4 region has been largely in the minus below 0.5 numbers. So I'm a little surprised how they've they've kept it in neutral phase, even though it's been. If you go and you look at the CDAS values, you'll see a lot of most of the time since July, you'll see a lot of negative values below the 0.5 degrees Celsius mark. Um, that doesn't mean. I mean, it has to be a collective over a, over a, what is it three to five year period and, and they sort of do all these monthly um, summations and everything to sort of come up with this number and come up with the, the phasing so you know keeping up with the insert diagnostic weekly uh, they give you the latest on that but I'm a little surprised that they're not kind of upping the chances to La Nina with the minus values in CDOS that we've been seeing lately in the last couple of months. So that's just my thought. I don't know. It seems a little borderline to me. Shay, I don't know what Scotty's paying you, but uh, we need to give you a raise. <laughs> oh. We're, we're, we're going to double, double your pay tonight. We're going to double your pay from <laughs> two slices of pizza to four. I think we lost Bob on that. I think he bailed out on me. Thanks, yeah, Bob. Oh, no, I don't think he bailed out on you. I don't think it was anything personal. I know his uh, his cell phone battery had given us a heads up that was dying. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, uh, it's unfortunate we couldn't uh, at least let him to hear the rest of your question. And again, thank him for coming on, especially given the fact that, and it really sounded just fine this week, but if you had checked out Bob uh, in the past week or so as they were deba- debuting the new set, he uh, had a very scratchy throat and uh, he is feeling better uh, mm-hmm. for anybody that watches Bob for quite a while. And I know David noticed it as well. So uh, we do thank him for coming on because it was a little uh, unsure when we reached out to him. Bob, can you come on the show? And Bob's like, I can't talk, which if you know, Bob is <laughs> that's saying something. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, we thank Bob for uh, coming on, showing us behind the scenes there again, uh, Bob Jeswell, chief meteorologist, First alert weather team, WRBL, the uh, CBS affiliate in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, David and I's old, old stopping ground, and Bob is a, a good friend of our, uh, of our show. Uh, speaking of friends of the show and, and TV uh, personalities, I'm going to uh, screen share uh, amongst the, all of the crazy news that has been happening uh, this week in Charlotte. Uh, we did get some good news that uh, at WCNC, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, posted to Twitter this morning, Larry Sprinkle back in the Peacock Cafe at WCNC today after, after his accident. And I know when we had Brad on, he was talking a little bit about the recovery of Larry and there he is standing up at work. So uh, I, I didn't notice, uh, I haven't had a chance to check it whether or not he's back on air, but it does look like he is up and about and back at work. So Even good for very, good. very good for, uh, for Larry Sprinkle I, there on, on WCNC. Go ahead, Scotty. That is one place I've not been to at the station, the Peacock Cafe. Ricky, have you been there? I know we've hung out at WCNC for a while, but never been to the Peacock Cafe. I haven't heard of that one. I've been upstairs too. I, I'll have to investigate. <laughs> I see another trip to the station going on now. They don't like Brad's, you guys enough, I guess. I guess that's where the cool people get to hang out. Brad, Brad's going to have to take us out to dinner at the Peacock Cafe. <laughs> what do they serve at the Peacock Cafe? I'm trying to come up with some puns here really fast that are NBC primetime related. Uh, Chicago pizza? Hey. See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> I say we do a show from the Peacock Cafe one night. How about there we that? Go. You and that I would be. be. We're the closest to Charlotte, James, so we, we can go do that. Done, but uh, maybe... Maybe not tonight. I think everyone's uh, kind of got their hands full. So uh, that's that's all I've got. But uh, I'll, I'll give you guys the opportunity to uh, jump in with anything else you may have on your minds on this Wednesday evening, or at the very least, I know Scotty has the schedule for the upcoming shows. Yes, I'm sure I, he'd be super glad and happy to present. I do. In fact, I just got a message from uh, one of our guests uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about. Uh, Kokoras and what they do throughout the country and how you can get involved. Uh, we have uh, the regional director, and uh, I should look at my email, and then I could tell you his name. I know it's Nolan, and uh, I'm forgetting the other guy's name, but Nolan and the other guy from Kokoras, I apologize, uh, will be Henry. That's his name, Henry. Henry and Nolan will be joining us uh, 
from uh, Colorado State University. Uh, they kind of head up the uh, Kokoros department there. So uh, they're going to be joining us next week. And then the week after that, we're going to be uh, focusing in on flooding. And our first show on that's going to be the uh, uh, one-year anniversary of the South Carolina flood. Uh, we're going to have Mr. Rob Fowler on from Charleston, uh, Ed Piotrowski on from Myrtle Beach, and just confirmed tonight – uh, Jim Gandy from uh, the Gannett Station in Columbia, South Carolina, will be joining us as well. He just uh, emailed me or messaged me back. Uh, we've been talking back and forth. He, too, just moved into a new weather center, so he said he would be uh, introducing the new digs there in Columbia. So uh, Jim is set to join us with Ed and Rob for October the 5th as we uh, talk about the one-year anniversary of the South Carolina flood. And then the following week, Dr. Marshall Shepard will be joining us to talk about uh, the possibilities of how we can better communicate uh, flooding to the general public and uh, how uh, we can be effective communicators in, in general. So looking forward to having Dr. Marshall Shepard on with us uh, in the uh, next few weeks. Uh, Marshall's been on our show several times, so uh, I'm glad he is able to, to come on. I know he's got a busy schedule, so uh, we will have Marshall on. And then uh, towards the end of the month, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, monsoons. Uh, Christy Kohler from uh, W. Uh, what's the call letters down there in Charleston? Uh, Shay, WCBD is WCBD that it? WCBD Channel Two. That's right. Yeah, yeah. WCBD uh, there. Uh, Chrissy is actually a meteorologist there with Rob, so she's going to be joining us. And also, uh, we're trying to get uh, someone from the Drought Center on uh, to kind of talk to us about what happens when we have no rain. So. Uh, that's in the works, too. So that's a busy October. Uh, Going to be focusing in on flooding and just how to uh, better communicate that. I know that was kind of a discussion there in WA, so I'm sure some points will, uh, will be brought up from that as well. So uh, that's and what we got for the schedule. James, I'm going to toss it back to you. Dr. Marshall Shepard, his rising star at the Weather Channel and, of course, at the University of Georgia, is uh, starring, if you've noticed, in uh, this year's football commercial for the University of Georgia. So when you're Cheering on those Bulldogs on a Saturday. Look for him in the university spot. Uh, we have Bob Jeswald back, who uh, we will reiterate our, our many thanks to while he was uh, plugging in his iPhone. But I also believe uh, his colleague and, and, and friend, uh, was, that, was that Cody I saw it in was the thumbnail? Cody, Cody Nickel. He just walked out. So, yeah, he just stopped in. And I apologize. The phone just died. I'm tethered to <clears> – <throat> I just got enough to get it up to 5% to call you guys back. Um but I was saying earlier that the offshore flow, I was going to say, I was telling Shay, I think I was starting to say it and it went out, but the, uh, the strong offshore flow has been kind of big down at the beaches. It's been um, pretty interesting to, to see that even late season, like this with the warm Gulf, Gulf um, of Mexico. So anyway, it'd be interesting to see what happens uh, in that October, but you're right. There's, there's a lot of time left. And, um, and if you believe the GFS, and you know, which I don't fully believe, but I, it was pretty on point though with with her mean. So I'm not going to rule it out that something's going to be brewing in, in uh, first week of uh, of October. Worth worth noting, Caribbean slash Southern Gulf of Mexico. It's hard to believe as we come into summer, they're really just getting into the peak of the tropical season. Shay, I think you had one more thing to add for Mr. Jeswald before we sign off for this evening. Yeah, I just wanted to say um, to our audience and others out there, <clears throat> keep um, the friends and family of Dr. James O'Brien from Florida State University who passed just recently. Um, he's known as Dr. El Nino. He did a lot of extensive research on El Nino. And I tell you what, it's, it's a heavy loss for the community. So we keep, keep some prayers and thoughts for him, his loved ones and family as um, we go through this hard time with him. So. Yes. Absolutely. Well, keep him in prayer tonight. Absolutely. Sorry to hear that for his family. Thank you for uh, for sharing that with us, Shay, so that we can all uh, reflect on that on the, on this uh, on this Wednesday. Uh, we will uh, see you back here uh, next Wednesday night for another live show right here uh, on the Carolinas Weather Group on YouTube, which, by the way, if you haven't already, please do subscribe to our YouTube channel so you'll get a nice, friendly notification when we are live and we have a new show available to you. Matter of fact, I think I got one 
Oh, somewhere in there, right at the top of the show. So you'll get a nice little thing like that if you got the YouTube app on your phone. So uh, you'll never miss a show, but we also have lots of exciting digital things coming your way in the weeks uh, to come. So please do stay with us or catch up anytime on YouTube, on our podcast on demand. And uh, with that, uh, oh, Scotty, I see Scotty slipping in in the text comments. What about the website? Should, should, we, should we tell them about the website? Can, can we trust them with the website? Maybe we can hint to it. It's not fully functional yet, but maybe we can. Pretty, it's pretty functional. I got a little bit more writing to do. But if you're clever and you think you know what our website address would be, <laughs> it's there. <laughs> we welcome your feedback on. Is this an alpha test? A beta test? Yeah, this is it. Just if, if you feel froggy and you want to go check it out, mm-hmm. let us know what you think. We're still doing yeah. some touches. Work, it, work on it. It's not the grand opening yet. Just... But if you want to, you know, stroll by the store on the sidewalk and kind of look in the window and get an idea of, hmm, I think I'll come back to this coffee shop when it's open. We'll be here. That's it. Uh, it's looking good, James. Looking really good. I'm, uh, I really like what you're doing with it. Oh, careful what you say, Shay, because there's going to be a Tropic blog all written by Shay Gibson coming your way. <laughs> I said it now on the air. It's going to have to happen. Got to deliver on our promises, right? So. Hey, I, I, try to stay on top, I try to stay on top of all of them. I know we go, we're going to, we're going to utilize you. Like I said, four slices of pizza. We're going to get our money's worth out of that. Uh, Bob, thanks again for your time for showing us around and glad your throat's doing better. You're sounding Thank good, you my guys. friend. Appreciate it. And yeah, definitely much better. It's a little tight now, but I'm going to have some tea and uh, start doing a project that my general manager wants me to work on. And I will talk to you guys in a flip side, David Reese. Stay tuned, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, well, everybody. Thank another, you. Another, let's at least we'll see Carmen. She said, what you, give it another year. Someone's going to retire on my staff, and another one will be leaving, so it'll be. <laughs> Car- Carmen's going to retire in a year? Wow. No, no, no. Um, somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Bob. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. We'll see you back here next week, everybody. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.